Scoops with Danny Mac, the podcast, powered by I Promise. Now, here's Danny Mac. All right, away we go. This is Scoops with Danny Mac and the Wednesday edition, and that means we visit with Brian Walton of the Cardinal Nation. Dot com, And we'll have a long visit with Brian Walden coming up as we've been waiting for December 2nd. It's the non-tender deadline. And because of the economics of the sport, that means that the free agency market could be flooded with some pretty big names. And we'll get into that with Brian Walden. We'll start, though, with college basketball. Some big games coming up on the local level illinois and baylor looking forward to that illinois obviously a top 10 team you got mizzou oregon and the oddity of 2020 they're playing that in well nebraska and no fans so that's tonight neutral site in omaha nebraska and dana altman is going back to omaha he was trying to set up a game with creighton where he coached for so many years with the blue jays and um, it didn't work out there, so it aligned to have Mizzou. And Mizzou said, yeah, let's do it. So Mizzou, Oregon tonight, looking forward to that game. SLU, their next game will be Saturday against Arkansas Pine Bluff. And you could see that game, by the way, on Fox Sports Midwest. That'll be a locally televised game on Fox Sports Midwest Saturday at 7. Uh, visited, by the way, with Travis Ford yesterday, the Billikens head coach. He told me that Hassan French has cleared for uh, full contact in practice so he is through the uh, the protocols for a concussion that is good news so slew 2-0 after their win over LSU over the weekend and they've got Arkansas Pine Bluff and you can see the game Saturday night number eight Michigan State I'm not sure Tanner if you watched this game it was at Cameron Indoor at Duke and this is the first time in a while that a non-crowd no crowd really caught my attention because if you watch a Duke game, you think Cameron Crazies, you think Coach K Court. It's just one of the great atmospheres in not just college basketball, but all of sports. And that one caught my attention. It really did. Yeah, it was weird. I still find it weird to see all the big college stadiums just half full. To me, that's still weird. I don't know why, because I think I'd be getting used to it now. It still bothers me. I think I'm used to it in football. I think. I still catch myself looking at the tarps on the lower level. Um, but to your point, I'm with you. I, I'm used to it. But last night, it caught my attention. So it was different. So they came back. Michigan State did from an early nine-point deficit. They beat Duke 75-69. And that was the first game of the Champions Classic. Really good game. Michigan head, uh, head coach Tom Izzo, he had been 0-3 at Cameron Indoor. The truth of the matter is um, it is different, but you'd be amazed. Once the game starts, you know, you get caught up in the game and you, you kind of don't realize the crowd. Now, at the end, when they were coming back, banking in threes and stuff, I'm sure the crazies could have made it even crazier. But I think the Izzone could make it crazy at our place, too. So we're losing out some. I know one thing. I'm not going to put this as an asterisk. No fans or not fans. Uh, you know, it was a good win for us against a good team, a great program, and a very, very well-coached team. Yeah, you take the win. You beat Duke at Duke. KU beat John Calipari's Kentucky Wildcats. And that score was 85-82. to 82. Coach Cal, he's always a beauty in postgame. Some guys got to grow up and grow up fast. You know, part of it is you can't have an excuse. 
This is a no excuse program. If you want to make excuses, you shouldn't be here. This is you figure it out and you go. But, you know, listen to what I just said. We held them to 29%, 23 from the three, and we rebound with them, but they did got us. We end up with 12 block shots, and then you have to say, how the hell did you lose? You had 16 turnovers, eight from your point guards. You're going to lose. Well, why did they have eight? Because they're trying to make hard plays instead of making the easiest play, you know, and getting away from the ball. It was a good game, though, last night, and they'll be in it because Kentucky's got a bunch of, you know, <laughs> top 20 guys that they sign every single year, every single year. And KU, really good. So great college basketball last night. Continues tonight. Local teams in. I'll be watching. Top seven teams, college football playoff rankings remain unchanged. Um, But it was, you know, without some debate. And you're saying, why? Well, we're going to get to that in a moment. Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State continue to occupy the top four Uh, spots for the college football playoff now the Buckeyes they stayed at number four despite the fact that they canceled Saturday's game at Illinois and this is following an increase in COVID-19 cases with the program which included their head coach Ryan Day who tested positive Gary Barda of the selection committee it was talked about a lot and is specifically talked about in the room about whether or not Ohio State uh, goes to four or if uh, Texas A&M flips and goes to four and and Ohio State goes to five, a lot of discussion about that. At the end of the day, the the offensive firepower of uh, of Ohio State, all the the weapons they have, the win over Indiana. And then uh, we did have an additional game to evaluate in Texas A&M. They beat LSU 20 to seven. But at the end of the day, the committee just decided that Ohio State was uh, still a better team than Texas A&M, deserved to be four. But, but definitely a lot of discussion about number of games played. The Buckeyes, uh, they had their team activities uh, back at it yesterday. They're expected to play this weekend at Michigan State. Uh, they likely must play this week and next week to qualify for the Big Ten championship game. Now, Tanner, did you see this? Kirk Herbstreet said during the college football playoff rankings broadcast that he thought Michigan which hasn't met in person for two straight days because of positive tests, could potentially avoid Ohio State next week by opting not to play, a move that would keep the Buckeyes below the six-game threshold needed to qualify for the Big Ten title game. He said he thought they could opt out. And Twitter and a lot of people went nuts when he said this. He later apologized in a video posted on Twitter saying he has, quote, no evidence of that. Then why say that? Why say that? You can't come out and say that. I don't got an answer for that one. And I, it is kind of weird because Michigan, you know they want to beat Ohio State. Even if, even if they I don't are, know if they want to play this year. Well, but that's, that's fair. <laughs> you know. That's fair. But you can't come out and say that. Now, if I, hey, if I'm Jim Harbaugh and I've had this terrible year, and I understand it's and it's been a terrible year, but got to play that game if you're if you're healthy enough to play and feel the team you just say the hell with it let's go play you know let's try to try to knock them off that's the deal could be the game that may save harbaugh's job absolutely ravens arrived in pittsburgh for today's game it's still on baltimore by the way had two more positive covid19 tests before departing on tuesday uh it's the non-tender deadline today in baseball 
And there's about 250 players, by the way, that potentially could go into the pool. Now, there won't be that many, but there's going to be some big names. One of them hit the market yesterday. Eddie Rosario was put on outright waivers. Now, would this interest the Cardinals? Eduardo Perez was asked about the Twins outfielder, and he was on MLB Network Radio this morning. I love Eddie Rosario as a player because my eyes tell me He's a ball player. Looking at at-bat after at-bat, and I see how he grinds at-bats against lefties, and I see that he's one of the weird lefties where he can hit quality high ball, fastball guys up in the zone, grinding out at-bats, big moments that he's had for the Minnesota Twins. Uh, Sometimes it's not even hitting the ball hard. It's hitting it over the defense if they're playing in up to the opposite side. Um, Eddie Rosario is not an analytical darling. There's nothing special that Eddie Rosario does that pops out to you on the analytical side. But on the eye test, in uniform, I'll take him on my team any day. This is a guy that I believe is going to get better. Look, the on-base percentage has never been high for Eddie Rosario. He puts the ball in play. He doesn't walk a lot. The hard-hit contact is not elite. The launch angles around, you know, it's gotten better through the years uh usually that's a good thing but everything else walk percentage being down the strikeouts are average the hard hit rate stays around the 35 percent it's not in the it's not in the 40s again when when he when he barrels balls it's not elite when the barrel percentage either you know in the exit velocity he's never really touched and on an average 90 so it doesn't stand out and right now you're getting guys in a room that are evaluating players and everybody's like no pass no pass he's not in the high percentile he's not in the high percentile but dude you have to watch him in person interesting name that'll be out there now it's not only going to be the cardinals and maybe have an interest in him there's going to be a lot of teams that have an interest in him but with all these players what will be the price tag on rosario but that is a name of interest for teams that are looking for offense, and the Cardinals certainly are one of those teams. We'll talk about it with Brian Walton coming up, and this is Scoops with Danny Mack on a Wednesday. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mack in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Every Wednesday, it's a chance to visit with Brian Walton of thecardinalnation.com as we have been waiting for this day a day that could flood the free agency market in Major League Baseball with all kinds of names and big names in Major League Baseball. And let's visit with Brian Walton of thecardinalnation.com. As always, Brian, great to visit with you. How are things going? Great, Dan, and you're right. Today is going to be a a very interesting day. There's a deadline, I think it's 7 p.m. Central Time, uh, which is this non-tender day, which we can talk more about. But as you said, uh, a number of teams uh, who might normally keep players uh, are potentially going to let them go because of the same financial straits that we saw the customers, uh, the Cardinals, um, you know, let Colton Wong go. They're trying to save money and, and maybe, uh, you know, not lean so much into the wind in terms of certain players who may not have totally performed up to expectations. Yeah, you know, for fans that don't understand what this date means and non-tender, tender, all those things, and why this is an important date in baseball, especially this year and especially this offseason, um, explain what is happening today in Major League Baseball. Yeah, that's that's uh, really interesting. Uh, Major League Baseball is set up so that after players get six full years of Major League service time, then they're eligible to seek their own employment as a free agent. 
and ramping up to that for players who have at least three years of service time for their fourth, fifth, and sixth seasons, they're eligible for their salaries to be set via arbitration. So when a player reaches three years for his fourth year, fifth year, sixth year, their salaries start to go up in a stair-step mode to the point by their fifth year, you know, players who are doing really well are going to be earning a fair amount of money more comparable to what they might receive as a free agent in an annual salary. So the Cardinals are in a situation where they have five players who are reaching their first year of arbitration. That means they've got like three years of service, and now it's the first time that they're going to get money beyond the you know minimum salary in that range. They're right around 600000 give or take a little bit. And now they, are, they have the opportunity to have their salary set uh, based on their performance compared to other players in the past. And that's kind of what the arbitration process is, is about, looking at players of similar experience, of similar performance, and then trying to set um, their salaries accordingly. Now, they don't want teams and players to go to arbitration. They do try to do everything to get them to come to terms ahead of time. So the hearings aren't that common. They would occur in February, right before spring training. But the idea is to come up with, a, as I said, a stair-step process to give players more money. Now, this non-tender date is the date in which teams have to declare, okay, for those four, five, and six-year players, I am definitely going to keep that player this next year. I'm making a commitment to that player. We don't know yet what their salary is going to be, but I'm, I want to keep those players around. And that means that potentially the team would have to pay that player whatever the arbitration hearing ends up being. And so some teams might say, hey, if I've got a guy that's kind of on the edge in terms of his value versus what he might make, maybe I let him go. And with all these other free agents that may come on the market, you know, maybe I can get a better deal uh, you know, picking up somebody uh, off the free agent market. In terms of the, the, the players that the Cardinals have that are arbitration eligible, let's go through some of those players and do you anticipate – uh, the Cardinals tendering them at least the yes in uh, in offering them a contract this year? Well, the Cardinals have six players in the group. As I said, five of them are in their first year in the arbitration process. And I think four of them are pretty much, uh, you know, guaranteed to be tendered a contract. I mean, it starts with Jack Flaherty, who's obviously the ace of the staff. And, you know, more of the conversation at Jack Flaherty is not, you know, are the Cardinals going to keep him in 2021, but are, you know, are they going to try to offer him a multi-year contract and lock him down? And there are some reasons why that, you know, would be a challenge right now. But uh, Flaherty will certainly uh, get tendered. Harrison Bader is another one. He'll, you know, he, he's going to make, uh, get a fair uh, salary increase as well because of his defensive prowess. And then you've got the uh, young pitchers, Alex Reyes and Jordan Hicks. Uh, who, again, you know, are going to make a million dollars or around about there. Not a huge amount, and certainly arms that the Cardinals want to keep around. The two guys that are probably in the question mark area, one is a first-year arbitration-eligible player, John Brebbia. And folks may remember that Brebbia had Tommy John surgery last year. He's working his way back. He may not be ready to pitch, probably won't be ready to pitch on opening day. And the question, you know, which nobody can answer is, how is his rehab going to go over the next four, five, six months, will he be ready to pitch in May or June or whatever? And the Cardinals have to decide. But, you know, the reality is if Brebbia goes to arbitration, you know, he's going to make maybe 800000 something like that. So, and if the Cardinals let Brebbia go, they're going to have to get a minimum salary player to replace him that's going to make 600000 anyway. So the real question on Brebbia is how soon do the Cardinals think he can be ready to pitch and pitch effectively. So he could be a guy that they may or may not, you know, uh, keep. The last guy that uh, is John Gant, who is, is in his second year of arbitration. 
and he could make maybe a million and a half, 1.6 million. So he, he would get like roughly a million dollar raise, uh, you know, if you look at his comparison to other players. Now, Gant, you know, was originally a swing man. He was a starter in the minor leagues, and then he was a swing man. In the last two years, he's been a reliever only, but you know, he's been very, very effective for the Cardinals. Um, you know, we remember his success, uh, you know, retiring guys uh, in the past, um, you know, grounding into double plays. That was back in 2019. Uh, very rarely gives up home runs. Uh, last season, he didn't even, he didn't, in 2020, he didn't give up a home run at all. But he missed the playoffs because he had a groin strain. So that's not anything serious over the long haul. But, you know, the Cardinals have a lot of pitching. They have, they have definitely have strength in pitching. But the question is, you know, to save a million dollars, do you want to, you know, do you want to let a guy like John Gant go? Re- you know, looking back to 2020, realizing how important that pitching depth was to, to the St. Louis Cardinals. Interesting uh, financial questions coming ahead for the team. I also have to wonder, too, in the immediate future, depending on Wainwright not understanding the uh, for sure what's happening with Michaelis and, you know, is Reyes a starter? You know, John Gant gives you value as a guy that for a million bucks, if you needed to have someone start, you know, you go into spring training and you say, well, we, we know John Gant is going to be healthy. He could give us some starts. And if this is a year that we, we got to have a guy that's a four or five, we know we have Thompson coming and some others that we could put in the bullpen. Maybe he's a guy that we want as a starter. You know, that, that's something to think about too. Oh, absolutely, Dan. I think there's two, there are two aspects of this to consider. One is what you mentioned, and that is this idea of, of bridge pitchers, right? We've heard a lot about, I think the Braves are an organization that's really talked a lot about this. Hey, my starters, you know, I, there are statistical reasons why I don't want them to go through a lineup a third time. We know guys aren't going to be able to pitch 200 innings this year after not being able to pitch that much last year. So now all of a sudden it's going to be really important to have a bunch of guys in the middle who can pitch the fourth, fifth, sixth innings before you get to your bullpen. And you look at guys like Gantt, Ponce de Leon, Gomber, if they're not in the rotation, those guys are going to play, you know, potentially a huge role. The other point I wanted to make on this is that if the Cardinals decide that they want to go the trade route to help the offense. Sure. Yeah. Where, what are you going to trade? You're going to trade pitching depth. So why let a couple of guys go like Gant and Brevia that aren't going to cost you that much money when, you know, you're going to want that depth. It's a very good point. I, I think it's going to be a fascinating day just in general with Major League Baseball, not only if you're a Cardinal fan with what's happening with the St. Louis Cardinals, but this is the day that we've been pointing to that maybe uh, could flood the market with a bunch of names uh, in the game just in general. What do you think what the, the, the game could be like today in terms of some big names being out there? Well, first of all, the population is, I don't know what the exact count is, it's about 250 players across the game. So it's a lot of players who are in this four, five, six-year salary range who aren't under contract already. You know, there are a handful of players, you know, like a Paul DeYoung, for example, who signed a long-term contract who would be in this population if he hadn't already, you know, has a long-term deal. But, you know, of those 250-ish players, you know, there's some big names out there. Uh, Chris Bryant, for example, who's in his last year and, you know, would make, I don't know, what, $20 million or, or more in arbitration. Kyle Schwarber, uh, Gary Sanchez, the catcher for the uh, Yankees, who hit so many home runs and then just had a terrible, terrible 2020. Uh, former Cardinal outfielder Tommy Pham. Uh, in San Diego, you know, is going to make, I don't know, at eight, 10, 12, 15, you know, million dollars. And the Padres may decide, Hey, we'll go with a younger guy instead. So we're going to see some big names potentially put out on the market. We already saw one uh, happen yesterday and that's Eddie Rosario, the outfielder for the twins. They apparently tried to trade him, couldn't. So now they put him on outright waivers to see if any team would pick him up. And the idea there would be if a team claims 
uh, a player off outright waivers, that means that player goes onto their roster, but the claiming team then it, assumes this responsibility to pay him an arbitration level salary. And Rosario's got hit like 32 homers a couple years ago, uh, is a pretty good left fielder, uh, only 29 years old. So, but, but he'll, you know, he might make 10, $12 million in arbitration. So it's, it's again, not only looking at the skills of the player, but also, you know, where would he fit into your, into your current budget? Hey, Brian, if you could, would you stay with me through the break? There's a lot more I want to get into. That means uh, free agency in general. Brian Walton of the Cardinal Nation is my guest as we're talking Cardinal and Major League Baseball. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. This is 101 ESPN. Danny Mac with you. Dan McLaughlin scoops with Danny Mac. And in 2020, uh, a day like today, it's a big day in baseball because there's going to be a, a flood of players that hit the free agency market. Normally, this would be a day where you'd see a, a name or two hit the market because teams would not give um, a, a tender a contract, but there's going to be a ton of names because of the uh, the situation financially for teams in baseball uh, with arbitration and whatnot and tendering contracts. So it's going to be a, a big day in baseball, and it's going to flood the market potentially with some pretty big names. And Brian Walton is my guest. Let's continue our conversation. Uh, we've seen already that in free agency, Brian, Brian Walton of thecardinalnation.com, thanks for holding on through the break, that on the pitching front we've seen some movement, but we haven't really seen that uh, with the position players, and maybe that changes after today. Yeah, I think teams have been sitting back and waiting to see, you know, who are these additional players that are going to come onto the market. But as you mentioned, in the case of the pitching, there were several guys who were um, at the point where they were free agents. They'd reached six years, and their their teams made them a qualifying offer, a one-year deal to stay, and they accepted. And I'm talking about Kevin Gausman in San Francisco and uh, Marcus Stroman with the Mets. So those guys said, you know, I'll stay with my current team. I'll take the $18.9 million guaranteed for the year. But then we saw the Braves get very aggressive. They spent a total of $26 million on uh, Morton and Drew Smiley. So they've, you know, filled out their rotation. We saw Mike Miner sign a two-year deal with the Royals and, and Robbie Ray. So, you know, there's half a dozen pitchers right there that have signed deals that pay them anywhere from from 8 to $19 million. So, what this tells me is that there, you know, the middle of the market may not be quite as soft as I thought it was going to be. I kind of assumed coming into this winter that the top free agents are going to get their money and, you know, everybody below is, is not, but so far, at least on the pitching side, uh, you know, we've seen some fairly reasonable deals a little earlier than some of us may have expected. I don't know about you. I thought we would have a, a resolution at this point on the designated hitter because I thought by December we'd have it because you, you've got to, it, hey, if if you sit in a front office and you're trying to to figure out a roster and you're a National League club, you got to figure out a DH. <laughs> you're trying to figure out your team, and uh, you don't know if you have a DH yet. Now, I would assume you're going to have that in the National League, but you still don't know. So that does surprise me a little bit that we don't have resolution on the designated hitter. I don't know about you, but I am surprised with that. If uh, folks swing by the Cardinal Nation, they can read an article that I wrote. And it's a free article for everybody to see. I wrote an article last week about this because 
there have been all kinds of folks who have gotten really upset and really concerned about this designated hitter issue. And there's no doubt, as you said, Dan, there are legitimate reasons why deciding on the designated hitter yesterday would be a great thing. Uh, there's players like Nelson Cruz, right, who's who had, at 40 years old had a great year as a designated hitter for the Twins, but he doesn't know if he can negotiate with 15 teams or 30. Front offices, as you said, they're trying to set their rosters. But the reality is, last year they didn't decide on a designated hitter until June. Right. Saying, so, you know, and, and teams like the Cardinals, you know, they figured it out. Teams like the Braves, the Braves gambled on Marcelo Zuna. They signed Marcelo Zuna months before they knew if there was going to be a designated hitter. And a lot of folks, myself included, said, you know, you really want to play him in left field for 60 games next year? Or whatever the number of games. We didn't know at the time how many games would be played. But the point is, the, the the Braves gambled on Ozuna and they, they ended up using him as a designated hitter and he you know he got a silver slugger. So, but to the point of the process, we have to step back and think about how decisions get made in Major League Baseball today. Everything that's important gets collectively negotiated between the owners and the players. So first of all, the owners have to get themselves together and say, okay, we agree we want to have a designated hitter. Then they have to go to the players and Whichever side perceives that they're giving to the other, they're going to demand something in return. They're not just going to say the, – the owners aren't going to just tell the players, okay, well, we'll give you the designated hitter without getting something in return. So let's say, let's say that, the, uh, that that happens. What are the owners going to ask for? They're probably going to ask for a, a revised version of the expanded playoffs, which was like the designated hitter last year was done on a one-year-only thing. Okay, so now you want to have expanded playoffs owners. How much are you going to pay us, players? Are you going to give us a percentage of the gate revenue when none of us know how much gate there's going to be? Or are you going to give us a guarantee up front? And by the way, you know, how big, how, how big our roster is going to be and, you know, how much you're going to pay us during the regular season. And it opens up anyway, what I'm getting off down to a rabbit hole here is that there are dozens of decisions that have to be renegotiated. Every single issue that they negotiated last year, the owners and players, they have to do over again for 2021. And they don't typically negotiate issues a la carte. They don't say, well, let's just look at the designated hitter issue and decide that and then move on to the others. They look at the whole pie. So as much as it would be great for a designated hitter to be decided soon, I think it's going to get tangled up in all the other decisions that have to get made before they ever play again in April or whenever opening day will be. Yeah, it's a valid point. It is an a la carte. I just wonder if this one needs to be um, because, it, you know, you're going to look up and it's going to be January and you're going to say, uh-oh. Uh, spring training is supposed to be in six weeks and you know, you don't know, we, we could have uh, a normal spring training. Hopefully I'm, I'm like, uh, I'd like to be optimistic and, and think that way. We don't know that yet. Uh, and, and it's going to be interesting too, is that your winter meetings are right around the corner. Those are going to be virtual and maybe there's some wheeling and dealing with that. And that's when you would see some of this movement. And we just don't know if that's going to happen too. The other thing is, as we talked about in the beginning part of the call, Dan, you know, the free agent market is going to be flooded with players. And sure. there are going to be, I predict there are going to be a lot of players when camps are ready to open in, let's say in February is normal, who aren't going to have jobs. And, you know, the Cardinals were above average in the designated hitter role last year, primarily because of Brad Miller, a guy that was like a, you know, secondary signing, no, you know, no, no big deal, a couple million. And, you know, granted, Brad Miller's performance, you know, slipped in the, in the final month. There's no doubt about that. But the fact is, overall, the Cardinals designated hitters were above average in the National League last year. And it was a guy just off the scrap heap. So, again, you know, yeah, it'd be great if they went and signed Nelson Cruz or something like that. But, you know, they, you know, they also got to pay him. So and I really think for the Cardinals, especially this designated hitter decision isn't really all that big a deal. We all know Matt Carpenter is the guy 
who, if they have a designated hitter, is going to play that role anyway. So, you know, I, I just I don't see it as a big a deal as a lot of other people do. That's all. Okay, two more questions. I'll let you go. You've had great information today. You got Flaherty, Bader, Reyes, Hicks, Brebbia, Gant. All six are they tendered contracts today? What do you think? If it was me, the answer would be yes. I would say the four for sure: Flaherty, Bader, Reyes, Hicks, guaranteed, hundred percent. If they weren't, I would be stunned. I'd say there's probably a 75% chance Gant is, and I would call Brebby a 50-50 call, maybe even 40%. You know, the, the Cardinals could let him go. But, again, it, it just seems to me to be kind of a, a penny-wise, pound-foolish decision, at least the way I the way I think of it. Okay. And, uh, as always, I ask you what's happening at thecardinalnation.com. And, and, folks, if you're thinking about a Christmas gift, I, I would – for that Cardinal fan in your life, subscribe, uh, get a subscription to thecardinalnation.com. Get somebody in your, your Cardinal family this uh, subscription because it is great for minor league news, Cardinal news. There's content there every single day, uh, new content, and it goes through historical stuff, what's happening now. So what are you working on right now, Brian? Well, every Monday morning we have a recap of the week across uh, Cardinal Nation. So we look at what's happening with uh, – free agent signings and rumors and injuries and all that. Uh, we have a history feature in there where we look back at former Cardinals. So we just finished our four part series on uh, the history of Whitey Herzog back to even when he was a player. Um, of course, our top 50 Cardinal prospect list for 2021 continues and we're almost down to the, the top 20. So that will continue as a, a rate of one per day that we announce a new prospect. We also, the number of Cardinals uh, between eight and 10 Cardinals are playing in winter ball in the Dominican Republic and Mexico. So we have reports every week on how the various hitters and the pitchers are doing as they continue to try to build their skills and uh, position themselves for uh, better jobs in 2021. So new content, as you said, every day at the Cardinal Nation, some of it's free, some of it's for um, subscribers. And I, you know, I guarantee you that if you subscribe, you will get your money's worth. Absolutely. I'm a subscriber and I love it and it's great stuff. And we always catch up every Wednesday here. Thanks, Brian, for doing this. And I'll talk to you next week. Thanks. Great, Dan. Thank you. We visit with Brian Walton every Wednesday here on Scoops with more of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, close to home or close to work. For quality tires and expert auto service, you can always count on Dobbs. Ribs and BK coming up, and as we've talked about, our thanks to uh, Brian Walton, the non-tender deadline. I'm sure they're going to get into that with Major League Baseball. But also, um, yesterday, Ribs, really a, a great Insider is Pierre Lebrun, as we know, and and had some news concerning hockey. You know, it sounds like mid to late January, maybe early February. That would be beginning of the hockey season. Am I reading that right? Yeah, I think so. You look, I I think that January one was always optimistic. And again, I'm going to go back to this is I think right now it's coming down to safety and not so much of finances. I know there's a lot of stuff we're reading out there. No, listen, there's a lot of stuff we're reading out there. I think at the end of the day, (laughs) (laughs) I just went through this in the summer, man. I know, but what people don't realize is they have been talking, okay? But we haven't been hearing about it. So that's a big difference. Well, hold on now. 
I got to I got to check you on that one a little bit. We're starting to hear a little bit more now. A little bit, but nothing like we did Major League Baseball, where players well, were taking true. to Twitter and we're calling out the commissioner, we're calling out owners, and all, you know what I mean. Owners Hell, were I having got called out biblical losses. My kids got called. My dog got called out. Everybody Doug got the dog called got out. called out. Exactly. <laughs> How's he doing? By the he's way, he's doing great. Good. He's all adjusted with the family and everything. Yeah, right? he got run over at one point, but he's good now. What? Well, we don't. I'll tell you off the air. But okay. He's good now. It's yeah, like he, Fight Club. We don't talk about it. Yeah, we, it stays in Fight Club. <laughs> <laughs> he's all good though. Well, good. Well, look, no, look, hockey. I think they're going to do it the right way. There are. There's definitely some posturing, and we have player agents that are posturing That's for players. That's always going to happen. It's always going to happen in any walk of life, as far as business, business is concerned. Yeah. So. But I do think that cooler heads will prevail. I think they'll find some common ground somewhere. And mid to late January, early February, the latest, we'll have NHL hockey. Yeah, you're going to play. I just think that when you get into this, if you're not going to have fans in the stands, and by all accounts, even with the vaccine really close, by all accounts, um, I can understand where owners are, are going to say, ah, you know, they move the goalposts, right? You, you move the goal line. And. I, I hate saying this. I, I can kind of understand why. I mean, you just, you know, you're all of a sudden cutting expenses. Yeah. And unfortunately, the expenses come at the cost of being a fan, wanting to watch a sport, and it comes at a player's cost of salary. And that's just the way it is. So you play the fewest amount of games to have, quote-unquote, a somewhat of a season, get through it, award a champion, get back online in October. I can kind of – I hate saying I understand it, but I do. You know, I, I – it's tough as sports fans. We're oh, like, I oh, come it. on, let's just go. But just, as as a business person, I understand as a business it too. person, you can't have everything going out the door and nothing coming in the other door. You know, like this. Just what would you say that if you had a company, you'd be like, well, guess For what? Sure. That's just bad business. But then again, I also understand. I would I would counter myself and say I don't want to piss off though my my fan base, right? I I can't upset them too because they're my customers. Understandable. So I, I got to put them. I, I got to put them first too, because I got to make sure I keep them interested to come back in October. And there's a lot of healing that's going to have to happen here that not many people are talking about. And it's not just a healing of fans. And that's with all sports, man. But it's not just a healing of fans wanting to get back to see their favorite team. It's the healing of fans being able to come out of this pandemic that has been. Let's be honest; it's been depressing. Sure. And now you know we're expecting them to jump back into arenas and the trust factor. There's a bit, sure. there's a lot of healing that's going to have to happen for it's, everybody. It's going to be fascinating. I think that you know when we say, well, the the vaccine is there and people are going to. I think there's going to be some people that jump at it and say. Yeah, I'm in. I, I'm. I'm. I'll I'm take two. Right. I, I'm. <laughs> I'll go get my ticket, and if I got to show that I got it, and I'm allowed into a stadium or a concert or whatever, where you can congregate amongst yeah. a lot of people. Sure, I think a lot of people are going to jump at it, but you do have to wonder um, the hesitation for for others, and that's that'll be the the next thing to an extent. I mean, there's going to be tentacles all over the place yeah. with this stuff, but it is going to be really fascinating to see how it all slowly gets integrated back in how we get into normalcy, whatever normalcy looks like when we come back. And we will get back. It's just going to yeah. take time. And it's also going to take patience, right? Because yeah. I can tell you right now, like all of us, I, I shouldn't speak for everybody, but in my own opinion, like I can't wait to get back to normal. Me too. And I don't want to do does. it though. Nobody wants to do it like too quickly though. You want to do it at the right time, the right pace. 
some so do obviously it safely, properly, smart, intelligently. Yeah, right. Like my buddy BK. You know, he does everything so planned out, so smart. Never has a hot take either. Ne- I mean, that's no. the thing. He never he jumps in anything. Just, he just eases into things. There's no hot. There's no cold. There's, there's just n- the word good. Yeah, he's very even keeled on situations. That's what I love about B- BK. Just very, very even keeled about his situation. Great poker player. Yeah, yeah. Never can read it. No. Anyway, uh, Ribs and BK are coming up next on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to Scoops with Danny Mac, the podcast powered by I Promise.